podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Meikle and Lawrence Connolly to talk all things Celtic. Natasha, I was just saying before we came on, we have to keep it positive going by the YouTube comments. Is that possible after the last 48 hours? I mean, I see the criticism come in that we're too negative and that it's all doom and gloom, but come on, what have we got to be positive about right now? If the club wants to give us something to be positive about, then we will, we'll talk about that. But what we've got to talk about right now is, unfortunately, all a bit grim. So with apologies in advance, I think this is going to be another slightly doom and gloom podcast. But um, what are we meant to do? It's true. I, I keep saying, Natasha, I think I'm repeating myself time and time again. The narrative of this podcast is influenced by what we see, not only in the park, but what's happening off the park or what's not happening off the park. So I found it interesting, Lawrence, prior to coming on live, we were chatting about the fact that uh, Dermot Desmond has backed Neil Lennon. We found out about this through the tabloid press and through one specific um, outlet in particular. So is this, is that actually this the result of the review? I'm unsure. It's a, it's a wee bit ambiguous, is it not? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we should be speaking to Sun at all, but choosing, choosing to speak to the Sun over supporters, just, <laughs> you know, it's, it's got to be a PR fail. It's... We talk about you know a disconnect, but the club actually feel the sun's more relevant to speak to than supporters. If they've officially announced there's got to be a review, there should be official announcement of the outcome of the review. Exactly mm. what we're doing, we were going forward. Has the review happened? We don't know. You know, do you believe what you're reading the sun? I don't read it, to be honest, but um, I have seen the headline. Now, Natasha, are you taking that as the result of the review? Has the review been done following the Rangers game? And is the result just maintain a status quo? On you go, Lenny, continue to implement this culture that you're implementing at the club. Well, 
like Lauren says, I take what we read in the sun with a pinch of salt. But if we're going by the precedent the club is setting by not properly communicating with the fans, then it would be no surprise to me if we do find out the outcome of the review through the sun. So, to be honest, I think we do have to accept that that is it. That is the decision that the review has taken place. Um, whether it proper review ever took place at all is up for debate. But the outcome of the review seems to be that it is Lennon. It is Lennon for the next six months. And that's what we've got to deal with going forward. Again, I mean, there's only so many times we can go over old grounds, but the communication with the fans here has been terrible. You know, you can't tell us that you're conducting a review with the outcome in January and then us to find out the outcome of the review through through a paper like The Sun. I mean, again, they've totally missed the feeling of the fans there and they've not communicated properly. I mean, that's not hard. You say you're going to do a review, give us the outcome of it directly from the club to the fans. That's not difficult to get right. No, it seems to be one thing after another. The headline on today's uh, podcast is where did it all go wrong? We entered this season uh, in high spirits. We're going for a quadruple treble. We're going for 10 in a row. Uh, the season of all seasons. And even though we were in lockdowns and we're back into a lockdown and we knew we couldn't get back into stadiums, you know, Celtic fans um, went out and bought the season tickets, supported the club. But it just seems to be one thing after another. Now, it was bad enough, Lawrence, and we'll get to the game because I want to hear your thoughts. I haven't spoken to yourself or Natasha about the actual game on Saturday and we'll certainly get to that and we'll hear your thoughts. But it was bad enough trying to come to terms with, you know, the fact that personally I think that's the league gone and then we get the Dubai debacle, then we get the fallout from that which has obviously involved the Scottish Government. And now we have a couple of other things coming through. Dermot Desmond has backed Neil Lennon. Duffy is on his way home, but it's for personal reasons, and he's going to stay with us till the end of the season. Normally in January, Lawrence, it can be a time that reinvigorates your season. Is there anything at all that can be done by Celtic to do that? Or is it a, yeah. white, a white flag moment? It's definitely uh, what last year for reinvigoration. We're going to need at least two centre halves in the middle. Julian's out. Uh, well, we've got Omar Cole, is he still available? Would it be a typical getting Lenny's uh, first choice centre half in six months too away? You know, with Celtic, would it surprise us that if that was the case, kind of six months later getting someone in? Who knows, mate? Uh, but I, I think if they're back in Lenny, who knows, you know, we believe the sun, but if they are back in Lenny, they're going to have to go to transfer market and get some centre-halves. This is a big issue that I have at the moment. Natasha, if you think about where Celtic are, we're in a bit of a no-man's land because we've got a gaffer in charge and even if he is, surely it's only until the end of the season. And if that's the case, we need to start planning. We need to start planning ahead. And I thought Russell made a great point yesterday talking about the appointment of Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. And it happened in the February. Uh, I'm not saying they were writing off the end of the season because obviously they got a, almost an immediate reaction from Brendan Rodgers. But you're seeing the fruits of the labour this season. So, you know, even if Celtic were to have made moves in the January in terms of the management, Natasha, at least we would be thinking, well, you know what? There's a very, very slim chance that anything might happen this season. We're looking at a capitulation of Rangers and I can't see it happening. However, we are planning for the season after. At the moment, I just don't think we're planning for anything. What's your kind of thoughts on that? No, I agreed with what Russell was saying yesterday as well. It's a great point. 
you know, Rodgers was given four months, you know, to work there before pre-season. You know, four months to get to know his team, get to know his squad, what he needed, what he didn't need. That gave him a great pre-season to set up. And we're seeing right now how that's benefited the squad, him, the way they're playing. It's all worked because he didn't have to go in cold in pre-season or, you know, at the end of the summer to rebuild a team and work with a new squad and he's had that four months where nothing was really expected of him other than to get to know a squad and a team and that's exactly what we could have replicated here mm-hmm. because I've got someone else in in January admittedly you know I agree with you there's very little to play for anymore you know we can talk about the cup fine um, but that's it you know so there is very little to play for get someone else in and give them four months to sort of you know settle in and then have a really good go at pre-season to put yourself in the best possible position for rebuilding for next season because that's the position we're in now you know I agree with you this season is done but that doesn't mean we can just write off the next six months and accept that you know Lennon will stay we'll get a couple of new players in that's writing off six months for me and I don't think we can afford to do that I think the rebuild for next season needs to happen now and it doesn't look like that's going to happen until the summer. And for me, we're going to end up ready to go into European qualifiers with a manager who's maybe only been in the door a few weeks. I know. And then straight away, we're, we're kind of struggling again because, you know, if you've got those qualifiers and we always seem to be late to the party, we're always late in bringing in the players that we need, uh, by which time, more often than not over the last nine seasons we're out of the competition and it's just really really bad planning at the, the top top level at Celtic Lawrence I know that you're a massive fan of Neil Lennon uh, we spoke about how we needed a reaction we needed a run of results and um, to be fair you know from the, the Lille game where we, we got the victory and we went on a run of wins all of the other games I must say Lawrence and I'm not taking anything away from Neil Lennon or Celtic I would have expected Celtic to win then we come up against Rangers, the big one. And for an hour, we look as though we're going to win. And I mean, at half time, I was disappointed. I said at half time, I would be disappointed if we get anything less than a win at that stage. I'm going to ask you, Lawrence, where did it all go wrong at Ibrox on Saturday? Obviously, near being. Uh, but I think before that, uh, the, the ref had shown the extreme leniency in the game. To you know, Morelos. But do we expect anything less from Madden? We, we, we stood and watched Morelos hit Scott Brown in the face. You know, almost the definition of violent conduct. You know, it's off the ball. He struck uh, wasn't playing the face with his arm or with his hand. And it's a yellow card. There's the rules against it. It's a red card. But I, th- I think Madden was the same guy that allowed Ryan Kent to punch Scott Brown in the face off the ball and only yellow carded him. So... We've kind of got a. I know we don't expect favours from refs, but you've got to expect some kind of application of of the rules, not a, an interpretation for the other team. What was it? You know, apply the rules here. The studs up challenge from Morelos. He will on Frimpong. Then he had another one later on on Laxall when Laxall wins the ball. And Morelos comes in and he studs, but Morelos got the free kick. And you are starting to wonder going, "Am I ref?" How lenient are you going to be in this game? And then we get to the red card. Certainly no lenient to shown there. We couldn't get the red card out quick enough. Now, see with regards to the refereeing, and I'm always, I'm always looking at the situation and trying to be as balanced as possible when it comes to that because 99.9% of what Celtic have done wrong this season 
it's been Celtic's fault. We have been the architects of our own demise, right? Now, I know COVID hasn't been kind to Celtic. Injuries certainly have not been kind to Celtic, and I take all that on board. But see, on Saturday, Lawrence, I felt, yes, after four minutes, I was shouting like everybody else about Morelos' challenge on Frimpong. Absolutely. And yeah, he got away with another one later on in the game with Brown, and I, I take that on board. I think the beat-on red card was a red card. I really do. Um, I know that Neil Lennon came out after it and he he disagreed with the the decision. I also feel that Duffy's challenge was wild uh, on Kent again. And I thought, you know, that that might be the last thing we remember of Duffy. Um, And then when I seen the images, I'm coming back from Dubai. I felt maybe they were trying to do a deal with Brighton to return him. But, you know, that's personal. And I hope everything's all right with him and his family. But again, I I thought he was lenient with Sorrow. And it was brought up. It was brought up yesterday yeah. after after the video, and I didn't mention it during the thing. I was surprised Toro went as long as he did without a booking. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, yeah, yeah, could have put mm-hmm. earlier, but you know, was it lenient and Duffy? He's lenient and Duffy. He's definitely been as lenient with Arfield when he's ten Ayer out when Ayer's breaking. You know, it, it probably by the time he's lenient with Duffy, the, the game's gone for us. We're one behind. You know, it, he's making. You know, he's given a yellow card. If he'd sent Duffy off there, then you'd, you'd rewind. The, we went to the game and went, wait a minute, Davis has had his bad attack, tackle and he's only got a yellow card. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think that's the type of player Davis is normally. I've got to say that. Uh, but yeah, Davis got away with a, a bad challenge as well. Natasha, see when you're looking at that, and we could we could argue the toss all day, Lawrence, and we're not arguing, we're talking about some of the decisions that were made, some wrong and some right. But see at that point, I, I still thought at that point, yeah, it's a turning point in the game. I don't think we reacted well to that, Natasha. I really don't. Because I think her shape went out the window after that red card. Yeah, I agree. The point to come back on there, I'm not entirely sure we lost the game because of that red card. You know, that's not what changed the game or caused us to lose the game for me. You know, you've got to take in everything that happened before that. You know, look at all those chances we had in the first half and we didn't convert any of them. You know, you can't fail to convert those chances. And yes, McGregor played well and he made a few good saves. But you can't fail to capitalise on that amount of pressure and that amount of possession and that amount of chances and not score and expect to go on and, and win the game because we know we're susceptible to losing goals. So, you know, it did start before the beat on red card which obviously didn't help us and like you say we then didn't help ourselves after that um, I know it's been compared to, to the game last season for we, or a couple of seasons ago sorry where we went down to, to 10 mm-hmm. and we managed to win the game um, Rogers tactics there he kept two up top he took one out of the midfield and and we went for it and that was a game you know we didn't the position we were in at the time we didn't need to win that game obviously we always want to, to win these derbies but we weren't in the position at that time where Rodgers absolutely had to win that game. Lennon was at the touchline on Saturday and he had to win that game. Whatever changes he was about to make following that red card, we had to win. And, you know, that didn't come across for me. What He seemed to try, be trying to do a bit of damage limitation. The substitutions didn't entirely make sense. Um, and it just shows the difference in the manager that we have, that Rodgers was able to to get a win after going down to 10 men and, and Lennon didn't manage to do that and we didn't really come close after after Beaton got sent off um, we didn't see the game out well the substitutions killed us, um, we lost all sort of shape that was working so well um, and, and after that it was gone wasn't it? 
It was. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of criticism coming in for several of the players as well, which, you know, after... 60 odd minutes I, I thought we'd got it right we really did but it just all went um, and you know it was so misshapen it was so unbalanced you were thrown on players that you're thinking he's going on just because he's a match winner or he's a game changer Tommy Rogic being the prime example for, for me um, now when we're looking at it now though Lawrence and again I don't see it as being negative I, I basically say as well this uh, This week on the Marketers Report Patrizio Spagnoletto Global Chief Marketing Officer Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Is on unassailable um, gap now between ourselves and Rangers and people keep reminding me we've got three games in hand and I get that I totally get that right and you know there's no guarantee we're going to win the three games but when we're looking at Rangers from their perspective they've been battered by Celtic and they won you know, they, they haven't looked convincing in some of the previous games, maybe against Hibs, Motherwell, St Mirren, of course, who beat them. And um, the game before that as well, Dundee United. But if that was us churning out those results, we'd be sitting here saying that's that's the mentality of a championship winning side. Do you agree with yeah. that, Lawrence? Do you think, uh, do you think there's any way, uh, do you think there's any twists or turns to come between now and when the, the league title was handed out in May? Let's hope so. But, uh, I mean, I agree to an extent. I wouldn't say they battered them. They had three shots on target. But let's not carry the lane. I get that they had no shots on target, even when they had 11 versus 10. But three shots on target, for me, isn't a bottom. Um, I think the three shots on target were from the days are just outside the box. The deliveries from wide areas is terrible. There was one point in the first half, from there was plenty of space. You can pick out Griffin at the back post and... I'm not actually too sure what he does, but it ends up in McGregor's arms. You know, the, the delivery in the performance was terrible. Uh, so, battered, three, three shots in target, all of them from outside the box. I'm not sure that's... Re- remove the word battered and, and replace it with dominated then, if, yeah. you want to, if you want to start talking about shots on target. If you want to dominate someone, you know, outside of the... outside of putting shots in target, I think Rangers would have been happy with that. If it's just three shots in target in a game, you know, if you're in the league and another team needs to win and you've restricted them to three shots in target from outside the box, are you going to be really disappointed? Well, to be honest with you, if you're going to marry it up against what Rangers did, Celtic were certainly on top for the first 60 minutes, Lawrence. Certainly on top, but I don't think it was a huge gulf. I think Rangers would probably be relatively happy that they've been restricting us to shots from outside the box. I don't think Lenny would be happy with the delivery from either one. 
Well, the delivery from wide areas has been a massive issue all season. And we know that, you know, James Forrest is coming back, hopefully sooner rather than later. Mikey Johnson has made a few appearances and he might give us a bit of width on the left-hand side. Uh, but beyond that, as you've said, Lawrence, the, the distribution from the wide areas has been really poor all season. Yet, we've said that we're not going to enter the transfer market. The only reason that we will be, according to Neil Lennon, is because Big Julien is out for three to four months, which is so disappointing um, to have missed him for both games against Rangers now this season. Um, when we're looking at it, Natasha, where do you think, how do you think we're going to utilise the, the transfer window? Because I think back to that, that period where I think maybe Celtic and Brennan Rogers both knew they were going to leave. They allowed them to go into the transfer market, but buy loan, I say buy, bring in loan, loan players, and it was Toyan and Burke and, and Weir. Do you think we're going to have a similar scenario uh, during this window? It's hard to tell because that's not what we need, and it's frustrating if we are sticking with Lennon that he's been getting this really important transfer window because, you know, he's going to be gone in six months. Is he really the right person to be choosing the players in this market? I don't think so. And... You know, on the other hand, if you're a player's agent right now, are you going to tell them to sign for a manager who is very likely to be gone by the by the next transfer window? Um, so it's difficult. Again, it comes back to the point I would have liked to have seen us done something like get someone else in and let them have the transfer window instead of giving a transfer window to someone who is likely to be leaving. Um, so that I think you're probably right. I think it could be some some sort of shorter term loan deal, something to get us from from now until the summer, and they let whoever the new manager is have have the summer window to do a bit of a, a proper rebuild. You, you know, Lawrence, it wasn't that long ago Celtic fans were outside the ground uh, protesting. Uh, following those protests, we were on this podcast talking about this discord, a disconnect between club and support. Um, I don't think that's improved any. We've, we've already spoken about how they've broken the news about how they, they are going to deal with Neil Lennon between now and the end of the season. Um, with regards to when that statement came out initially, we're going to do a review in January, up to the point where this announcement um, has been made uh, via the press. Do you think Neil Lennon did enough to keep his job? Certainly, there's an improvement in results. Players uh, come back. Change change information what's enough to, to keep your keep your job uh, is it if he loses a league he's definitely out if he's not in the one league he's definitely out of his job I don't know what criteria Celtic could put in place you know if we were going to do a review we must have had some criteria that we're going to review it against obviously it's a bit of a bit of a secret but has he done enough to keep his job Desmond, isn't it? I know, but what, what's your thought? What's your thoughts, so Lawrence? Yeah, I, I can't see he's changing anyone. You know, we're all on a, a break to Dubai. I think he, I think he's staying until the end. And you know what? I'm not entirely convinced that uh, he'll be gone in the summer. If, uh, if they haven't made the change now, we'll try to keep this positive, Lawrence. Yeah, haven't made the change now. Well, you know, what's convincing you that they would make the change in the summer? I got a really uh, positive uh, text yesterday actually from someone who's pretty close to certain people at the club saying that he expected Demi Desmond to pull a rabbit out of the hat on this one and you know that just blew the wind out of my sails when I seen the headline that you know uh, Lenny's been backed but let's go back to Dubai or not maybe we shouldn't have gone to Dubai in the first place and we've seen the pictures now 
Natasha, we know that the club have gone through all the different protocols and, you know, it was uh, all the football authorities as well as the Scottish Government authorities as part of the Joint Response Group. Everything was A-OK. It's turned into a bit of a shambles, isn't it? Yeah, having approval from the relevant authorities, fine. Um, it makes a bit of a mockery of the government then coming out and criticising us going if they've actually approved it. But for me, that that's sort of by the by. The fact that we're there in the first place is inexcusable for me um, it's, to be honest it's insulting to the fans to see those pictures that we did for the trip to have went ahead um, you know again we go over it so many times like how big can the disconnect be how more disillusions can you get with your club and then all of a sudden you know you're sitting there on a Monday following a defeat that essentially ends the 10 in a row campaign you know we've been put into another lockdown everyone's feeling relatively miserable and we see a squad who have continually let us down over the season having drinks by the pool in Dubai and I get that they have these off um, and I don't have any issue with them having a beer on their day off but it's it's tone deaf isn't it you know to be to be sitting at a nice hotel by a pool in Dubai having a beer after after that result at the weekend and the life that people in 60,000 season ticket holders are living back here mm. it's just it's very insensitive and a complete PR disaster for me it is we've spoken about the PR quite a few times this season and I think it is a PR disaster um, it's up there with the Christmas jerseys uh, advert coming out um, just in December there now it's all about knowing your audience what I've also been thinking about is there's a huge amount of pressure obviously on Celtic at the best of times don't you think that what's happened with the Dubai and the, and the follow is just going to add even more scrutiny and more pressure on this side? So we were playing at um, Hibs on Monday night. We're playing Hibs on Monday night. What happens if we play atrociously? Because we're all just going to start looking at the Dubai trip and the failure to prepare and all oh, you have just been on a jolly. So don't you think it's had a, a totally counterproductive uh, response? I mean, when you think about the famous picture of Scott Brown with the kebab, Right, and this was under Ronnie Dyla, wasn't it? And the uh, kebab gate, and it showed that there was a there was a group or there was an element within that squad that were undermining the boss. Now this time round, the boss is part of it. So we're speaking about a culture, and and Lenny had said that maybe we need to change the culture. And I'm thinking, well, I was quite happy with the culture before the one that was implemented after Lenny left, and that was through Ronnie's time and then Brennan Rodgers' time. And I just feel that we've gone backwards in that respect. Now, when you're looking at the players who've been photographed, etc., I, I can't see Eduard in there. I can't see Ayer in there uh, getting involved in that kind of thing. They must be looking at themselves and thinking, I, I want a bigger platform here. This isn't what I'm, I'm kind of aiming for in terms of my career. So first and foremost, Natasha, do you think it puts added pressure on Celtic on Monday night? It does, yeah, because, you know, the only excuse we're getting for this is that, you know, these trips in the past have acted as a catalyst to, you know, ignite a season and go on and have great performances and a really winning run. And that really is the only justification for doing this. So if that doesn't happen, then the trip's been a total disaster you know if the performances don't come from after it and they've annoyed the fans and if it's been a huge PR issue and if they've annoyed the government and then there's no results then there is absolutely no positive from this trip so they need to try and find some positive some way of explaining it and some way of almost excusing it Um, and that is by going on a, a really good run and if that doesn't happen then 
I don't know what you say to that. The following day, um, and I think everybody predicted this, we were served up some pictures of the guys training really hard in the Dubai sun. Um, and you, you, you actually seen it coming, didn't you, Lawrence? And you start thinking to yourself, do they actually care what we think anymore? Do they, do they care about the fans? That's the way I'm feeling at this present moment. To be honest, Dubai seems to be a regular thing. There we go. Uh, you're talking about culture under Brendan Rodgers. I remember the last Rodgers trip to Dubai. It's not, it's not some players. And the players having pints in their first day. You know, so if you're saying it's a cultural thing having pints, well, what happened under Rodgers' pints with Dubai? You've also got to remember, this is the players' first day off since the festive period. You went at Christmas Day off and playing the next day. So... Is it because they're having a pain or is it because of... It's contextual. It's contextual though, Lawrence. There didn't seem a big outcry when the the trip was announced. People said, we shouldn't go. We actually went before lockdown was announced. Before we went into the most strict lockdown. So I didn't hear any cry amongst Celtic fans when they should be cancelling that Dubai trip this year when they announced it. There was was quite a few people with concerns. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people were generally of the opinion that it's irresponsible and a bad look for the club to be going to Dubai during a pandemic. You know, we're the same club that are complaining about our players going on international duty and catching COVID there. And all of a sudden we decide it's OK to take them to a, a hotel and mix with members of the public and, you know, take a, a long flight over there. I, I don't think we can have it both ways. I don't think we can complain about international duty and then take them off to Dubai. Um, they're going to mix with people there, I'm sure. Uh, I, I just, regardless of the situation, we shouldn't be going to Dubai right now. Um, and it's hard to compare it to, to what Rogers did and how successful it was in previous years because it's not the same season. It's completely different. We're we're 19 points behind in the country's in lockdown. I mean, it's completely different in both aspects. I just think the, the contextual factors now as you say, are completely different. But, Lawrence, what you're saying there, if you're winning, you know, and you see a player having a pint, then it is different. Of course it is, because we're not winning. Um, and we've had, the, we've had the season from hell. So, a cultural thing. So no, I think, I think that's part of it. Well, winning's a culture, but how you get there, how you get there is based on behaviours, isn't it, and attitudes. And I just don't think, for me, that we have the, the same professionalism that we had. And one of the points I made yesterday, Lawrence, and I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this, I don't think Celtic are fit. I really don't. I mean, I was sitting at the Scottish Cup final at half-time thinking, we're going to win this 3 or 4 nothing. In fact, I felt the same. I felt the same a few times this season at half time. And we've been talking all season about that was a good 30 minutes, that was a good 45 minutes. First game against Lille, it was a good 60 minutes. We've had very few good 90 minute performances. And I think that comes down to fitness, which is part of the culture of the club. You've got to be ultra fit. I think that's why Griff had to come on. He looked done, didn't he? A few of them did. Yeah, a few of them did on Saturday, got to say. I think since Jim McGuinness has left, Teams look as fit, you know, and, and he's over. I think it's Galway he's managing now. You know, after he's spell in the states, but yeah, we, we, we certainly don't look as fit as we we were when uh, I think Desmond handed uh, bringing him in as well from Donegal. He was uh, managing their Gaelic team. Uh, we definitely don't look as, as, as fit as we were when he was running the, the fitness side of, of the first team. So it's definitely something that's needing addressed. I would say so. We don't spend money on, on, on fitness coaches. 
Well, I think that you've got to get that framework and you've got to have the foundations right and because then you can bring in a £5 million player like a Yeti and he looks very ordinary because he needs to be playing in the correct system. And I mean, quite a few of our players, I think, that we've brought in have looked pretty ordinary. We obviously have shelled out a f- <laughs> quite a few million pounds on a, on the new additions, even the guys that are in on loan and the big one being Shane Duffy. And I've seen a lot of tweets recently saying, you know, imagine giving that wage to a, a new manager. Um, because to be honest with you I think no matter who you are um, in terms of a player you need managed properly you need coached properly and I don't think you were seeing that there's been an element of fortune about the changes that were made Lawrence I don't think Neil Lennon wanted to, to drop Scott Brown I don't think he wanted to play Sorrow and Turnbull but there's, there was an element of us playing a dead rubber game in Europe and throwing in a couple of guys for a bit of game time and lo and behold it worked uh, I mean the, the goalkeeper situation people are saying last night Foster clipped a clean, sh- a clean sheet against Liverpool this is where it all started to go wrong I don't think so I just think that's one element of a, a myriad of issues that Celtic have had throughout the season of all seasons but being a being a realist uh, on one hand but also never ever willing to give up I still think we need to use the January transfer window we need to know how much would Neil Lennon have uh, in terms of a say in the players that come in anyway uh, you know he's not going to have the final say mm. Natasha so I, I'm still looking at January I'm still looking at you know what do we do here do we try and cut our losses on, on guys like Duffy can we you know is that an option uh, in the deal uh, because I would be certainly looking at that we need at least one centre half maybe two we need a right back we need some width um, are we going to lose someone like Edward Christie I think and Cham's checked out. I wouldn't. I wouldn't cry any tears over him leaving. Um, you know, Rogic is he surplus to requirements now that Turnbull has started to to show his true worth to the club? Do you still think we're going to we're going to try? And I don't think we can salvage the league, but we are going to have to try and start rebuilding now for the summer. I'm just not sure that January is the market to do that in. You know, it's always a difficult market, and. Um, we're in just such a position of uncertainty. It's hard to rebuild from that. I know it has to start somewhere, so why not now? Um, and I think there'll certainly be a few players who see the writing on the wall, who see the way the next five months is going to go, and will want out as soon as possible. You know, and that will be January. You know, your Chams and your Edwards. Um, more recently, I'm probably going to take Ayer off that list. I think he he'll stay till the summer now. Um, I think I'll have it. I'll stay till the summer now, given the position with Julian. Um, but I think it could it's an important January and it could see some of the biggest movement that we have in a while as we start to look to rebuild but I just don't think we'll get as much done as, as we hope we will um, in this market unfortunately I think you know maybe maybe a new centre half um, maybe two but I don't maybe a right back but I don't see too much more than that now, Lawrence, we're looking at a situation that's re- really tough uh, in January to be looking at all the competition we've entered so far. We're out of the Europa League, we're out of the Champions League, the League Cup. I would say we're out of the league. Uh, it's not mathematically impossible yet, but, you know, I-, I think it's gone. There's four competitions out of five. We're definitely out of three of them. Come the end of the season, you know, if that's the case, we might win the Scottish Cup, we may not. Either way, it's been a disastrous season. Right, and you know, I would, I would challenge anybody to argue that. Could that be something that prompts the people in charge of Celtic to make a move as big as the move they made? Because Kevin Graham doesn't think it is. 
as big as the move that we made to bring in someone of the level of Brennan Rogers to completely change the culture of the club and the professionalism of the club and actually start uh, to look like a club that wants to compete not just domestically but also in Europe because at the moment you know that's not where we are we're miles off of that you can talk about Desmond and, and rabbits out of hearts earlier so alluding to Alex Ferguson got offered a couple of wages at one point before we got one and to call money Celtic we touched on Desmond's been involved in Mark Manier who's been involved in Brendan Rodgers it really I say I suppose depends on what Dermot wants to do doesn't it yeah. uh, that's where we are how he views things if he wants to make the decision and, and bring in a big name it's down to him but Transfer window, it might, be, it might be a bit different this January. There's a few players we want to get out. We might not get the money we want because of COVID. But on the flip side, there might be other clubs desperate for money because of COVID. So it might be, you know, it's, it, there's different economics at play in this transfer window from previous ones. I think we need a couple of centre-halves in and then they allow us to play higher at right back. We're so short at centre-half, I think it'd be crazy to send Duffy back just now. You know, we're talking four or five months of the season left. Uh, sending Duffy back with, with the problems at centre-half, I don't think is the right idea. I think he was too similar to Julian, but Julian's out. So maybe Duffy's going to perform better if he's got a centre-half next to him that can actually play the sweeper role that can talk in behind him. I don't know, but sending him back just now, when it's a position we're short of, definitely not. Charm, yeah, definitely get rid of Charm. We've got a few players going into the last 18 months, their contract. So I maybe that, you know, Christie maybe want to move. I don't know. But yeah, there's a few players that can move. The big one's Eddie. Another disappointing show against Rangers. I'm not too sure how bothered he was in that game. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons that their season hasn't went as smoothly as we thought it was going to go. Uh, you know, he's undoubtedly the most talented forward in Scotland. How do you even get 20 minutes out of him this season? We've had flashes. We've had flashes. I think um, again. I think that comes down to the economics, Lawrence, that you've already mentioned. Celtic want to to get some kind of value under the circumstances um, if they were to to cash in on someone like Eduard, because you know, twelve months down the line, when he's scoring goals like Dembele score, scoring goals in France, or uh, you know, if he goes down to England, we may rue selling him on the cheap or the relative cheap. Now. Natasha, I've asked you the question before, what happens after we lose the 10? Should we lose the 10? And like myself, you said you'll still be going to the games, you'll still support the football club. But what I have seen a lot of, particularly online and on social media, is a lot of fans saying, I'm done because of this disengagement. Not because we're not winning. It's not just because we're not winning. It's all the other elements of how this is being dealt with. Um, do you fear that come the end of the season we might be in that situation? And as I was saying to Lawrence before, it may actually prompt a reaction by the decision makers at Celtic. Yeah, all I can say is I hope they've kept the, the banners from the daily years because I think we will be heading that way if they don't do anything fast. Um, I've like I've seen I've seen a lot of it as well. People saying, you know, why should why should I renew? And it's something Lawrence touched on earlier. It's like, do they care about us? And I know it's not for a football club to care about the fans like that in some extent, but in another extent it is. They are meant to care. They're meant to be doing this for us. You know, it's our club. Um, and 
the way they're treating us is is off putting. It is. There there's no respect. Um, like we've already touched on some of some of what's been going on is insulting, um, and it comes back to you know they're not in there for us. Why should we be there for them? Um, personally, it's not changed not changed my view too much. I'm still planning on renewing, but I can totally understand the people who aren't. Um, and I think the club need to go on some sort of charm offensive to to turn that position around and at the moment they're doing the exact opposite um, the Dubai trip is the opposite of trying to win the fans back over it's pushing more and more away um, and again it's just so disengaging um, so they need to do something is that going to be some marquee January signings is it going to be a marquee manager but for me I think what they're most likely to do is get to around about season ticket renewal time and tell us, you know, stick with us, change is coming. They'll blame the season on the fact that we weren't there. They'll say how much they need us back and promise us something good on the horizon. And, you know, that's, the, you know, the carrot at the end of the stick that gets you to, to renew and they'll, they'll they'll use that against us. And then a couple of months down the line, there, there will be no no magic waiting to happen. But that's, that's where I see it going. Now, that, that's quite a realistic... I thought you were going to say, and then they'll unveil Roy Keane as a new manager. <laughs> that was going to be the end of that. Um, Lawrence, I'm going to ask you one final question before we move on to some of the great comments that are coming through from YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. And it's on the inconsistencies that you feel um, have been evident when Celtic are being dealt with, if you like, from the, the authorities. Uh, you've spoken in the past about the authorities of Scottish football, but now it's, a, it's an issue with the Scottish government. And you've got some, you've got some concerns about that. Yeah, if you look under Paul and Bowie, yeah, the government's quick to come out and stop us from playing a couple of matches, which hasn't helped us this season. Uh, fairly critical of the club. Uh, if you want to look at the south side of the city, the very first day back of training, Stephen Gerrard was sharing his car in contravention of regulations. No comment from the government, no action taken from the football authorities. They decided to go ahead and play a game without COVID tests being back in. No action from the authorities, no condemnation from the government. They, surprisingly, a little number of players at uh, a party, only two turned up at a party, and the guy whose birthday it was wasn't there, apparently. <laughs> 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 Those kind of parties. Maybe he's really unpopular, and they, they had to have his party by himself. But they broke the law, the, the police had to get involved, and they were. Uh, praised by the Scottish Government. It, it would appear that the double standards. The Government now uh, have agreed to go on a trip, haven't followed all the protocols, uh, and now can condemn us for it. Uh, you know, John Swinney's double down in the combination. It's not uh, good leadership. So I think he's a current Justice Secretary. And this is a government who previously had a Justice Secretary who described 90 minutes of sectarian bile at Hamden from Rangers fans as a great advert for the Scottish game. When we talk about you know, Celtic being tone there, you know, we've got a Justice Secretary that thinks sectarian sound from 90 minutes is a great advert for the game, or had at that point in time. Didn't have to resign over that. <laughs> you know, but nothing as crazy as that. Even if we look at the players when they arrive at Iverts, sectarian abuse yes not a big crowd the police could have lifted them I don't know how they're going to identify them now given that we're masked up 
just didn't seem to have too much issue with the abuse when she shouted at Celtic fans and Syrian abuse. If that had been racist abuse, I'm sure it would have made the front pages. You know, if that had been Millwall fans down south showing racist abuse, if it had been you know, Good Morning Britain or whatever it is these days, yeah, we'd have been chatting about it. Just accepted in Scotland. And two days later, yeah, the police are going to conduct an investigation. Well, is that the speedy response? Your officers were present. Mm. Within touching distance of the people that were perpetrating the crime. Is that how you tackle crime? Uh, you know, allow it to happen. We won't have any crime prevention. We won't act in the spot. We'll wait a couple of days. We'll get a complaint from the offended party. And uh, yeah, we'll look into that. Yeah, it's just completely unacceptable. But it's, I think it's a wider problem in Scottish society. The, the fact that the police think it's acceptable and that's how they carry out their job. It's just saying they're just accepted because that's fine. Mm. The thing is, we talk about issues. Um, so, for example, yeah, you know, I wasn't happy with the overall uh, display by the officials on Saturday, but you take it on the chin that X, Y, and Z was done correctly. And similarly, Natasha, when we're talking about the Dubai trip, we've already said, you know, it was the wrong thing for Celtic to do, but they did follow all correct protocols. So, were you surprised at the reaction from the Scottish government yesterday? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I first read the Scottish Government spokesperson coming out and saying that, I assumed that we hadn't had the trip sanctioned and was concerned. Um, mm. But the fact that, you know, we clearly went through all the right channels, got the trip approved, the Scottish Government then can't surely be in a position to come out and criticise a trip that they have sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Um and again, you know, I'm not going down, you know, any form of conspiracy line, but Lawrence has touched on it. You know, why does it seem to be that they are coming down so heavily handed on one club like they did when it was ball and goalie? You know, we were called out extremely by the government. Um, and again, with this trip, we've been called out specifically again in a way that I don't think other clubs' breaches have been. Um, and particularly when it appears that they have followed the relevant rules. I think this is particularly unfair. Like, well, we've already said, you know, we don't agree with the trip and whether legally it's right and morally it's right are, are completely different positions. You know, if, if the trip's been approved, they flirt before lockdown, you know, I don't really know why the government want the SFA to investigate this. And if the SFA do investigate this, you know, what are they proposing they do about it? You know, are we having an investigation? Or are there going to be sanctions? What are the, what is the expected outcome here? I, I didn't understand the, the need for that statement at all. No, definitely. Um, it's not uh, been a dull week being a Celtic fan, that's for sure. And let's have a look at some comments coming in from fellow Celts. Patrick Murphy on YouTube. Progress was to be reviewed this month. We're worse off than when that announcement was made. Sticking with Neil Lennon isn't surprising because it's clear board don't know who to turn to. We're going nowhere. Lawrence, there's a, there's a kind of train of thought whereby the board did have a backup plan. They did have a plan B but they can't implement it until the, the end of the season. If that's the case, would it not be better for them to come out and maybe give us a wee bit more information? Uh, or would that be just hanging Neil Lennon out to dry? Well, if that's the plan, it's, football's a small place, I'm sure Lenny would know that. Hanging him out to dry in, in what respect. But the problem is, I think the problem is the whole and specifically, you know, the way the football club's structured at the moment, you don't have the football manager having a fight, fight and say. In football issues, you don't have him picking his back team. You don't have him having, you don't get these first transfer targets in. You know, 
moving through the floor, you know, he's number three. Ivan Tony didn't come in, Omar Cole didn't come in. You, you can run through his transfer targets, you know, he's number one targets. He didn't get them. The, the problem is the board, and if we're looking for this board to act, I, I think it needs changed it. You know, I think David Lowe's touched on it and Jim Law's touched on it. It almost appears a job for boys at the board level. Mm. We have guys like Gravitas, you know, John Reed, whether you think he should be at the club or not because his previous position is home secretary, or Brian Quinn, former governor of Bank England. You had real heavyweight guys that, you know, would have, I mean, I thought that Celtic's statement to the government was, was pretty weak. And the action that they turned on us earlier, I think, would have been challenged. It certainly would be challenged under McCann. I think we would have let sit back and take us. You know, I thought Celtic's statement was was weak, to be honest. I think we should be calling out the government a lot more and ask, putting out their statement exactly what is your agenda here. If you agreed to everything, why are we calling out this Natasha? said, if you want investigation, to what purpose? No, I, I, I agree with you, Lawrence. I do, but I'm going to pick up on one of the, one of the things you said. You're breaking up a wee bit there, Lawrence. Sorry, you, you were saying there the influence of the boards on uh, footballing matters. So I'm going to ask you, Natasha, when you're looking at, and we know that it's not Neil Lennon or indeed the manager's decision um, in terms of who comes in. Um, you know, when it's a, a transfer window, we've heard it from Brennan Rogers famously when he was talking about Sved. It was almost as if who he didn't know anything about the boy. Um, yet he was a manager of the football club, so we understand that in modern football that that does seem to be the way and even at Liverpool I spoke to the guys at the Anfield Rap and they spoke about how you know the manager does um, identify players and can push for certain players but they're also presented with players that have been identified by a scouting and a recruitment network whereby they think that that would be good business uh, for the club and so it happens and we understand that but it does appear as though it's Celtic it's it's far more prevalent so not picking your, your backroom team if you're the manager how, how on earth can you make something work when you've not identified the skills and abilities and indeed um, your ability to work with that with that team and then you're looking at the situation with Barkas and this is before a, a veer into conspiracy um, kind of territory right but all of a sudden Barkas is thrown back in well, he was always our number one. I don't think he's ever shown anything in a Celtic jersey to suggest that he is a number one. And then I start thinking to myself, well, is Lennon under pressure to play the £5 million goalie that we've invested so much money in? Um, and then I start concerning myself with, what if we do try and bring in someone of a higher calibre in terms of a manager and they look at the constraints and, and the way that Neil Lennon's had to, to work under Peter Lowell and co, and the way that Brennan Rogers left the club? Um, is it becoming so damaging that it's going to be more and more difficult to attract someone of that kind of level? Yeah, it could be. Um, and there doesn't seem to be anyone on the horizon who's jumping to take the job at the level that we'd be looking for. Um, and like you've identified, why would they? You know, the, there's clearly issues between the management having the say they want, as we've seen with Lennon and Rogers. There's the issue that, you know, we are in a terrible position right now. Um in terms of the league, in terms of the connection with the fans, in terms of the squad that we've got, the players looking to leave, who we're going to get in. It's not an attractive job. Um, But in some ways, you know, Lennon has been backed by the board. He has been given money to spend. Um, He managed to spend £5 on a goalkeeper. You know, we got in 
players on big wages like El Unifu, they let them keep high value assets like Edward and Aya. So it has been back to an extent, but the problem I think is more control. You know, whose decisions are those? Um, and managers want control. So they don't just want back financially, they want to have to say over where that money's going. So I think if we really are to attract someone of a high calibre like Rogers um, or someone in or near that sphere, then the board needs to have a bit of more of a think about how much control that individual is going to get because no one at that standard is going to come in without being guaranteed the control that they want. No, you're, you're spot on there. I, I, I was watching Pochettino's first training session at PSG and thinking back to his name popping up time and time again on this podcast and thinking to myself, we need to really uh, lower our kind of aims when it comes round to the point um, of appointing a manager. Then you look at someone like Davy Moyes and everybody's screwing their face up at Davy Moyes. Look at the job he's doing at West Ham. So there's a lot of there's a lot of managers out there who may not be the box office name that a lot of Celtic fans want, but they will come in and do a much better job than what's being done at the moment. There's an interesting point coming through from Tommy R on YouTube. Mowbray and Barnes got shown the door for less, just shows it pays to be Celtic-minded. Now, the reason I'm bringing it up is because obviously we had, famously or infamously, we had John Barnes um, interviewed on a Celtic state of mind last year, and he, he was of the view that um, he was given less time because of his colour, because of his race. And that's what he said, and he was given less time for that. And he's continued to to back that argument up since the interview. Um, and it, it's an interesting take on things, because I think Neil Lennon has remained where he is due to his affiliation with the club and his affiliation with a large part of the support. Joe Porter comes in to say it truly goes from bad to worse. What the hell are Celtic Football Club playing at? It's like watching someone descend into madness. Yes, and Joe, we need to come on every single day and uh, discuss that madness and Mark McKinnon we've now entered the twilight zone out of the Champions League and Europa League in embarrassing fashion which it was out of the League Cup in embarrassing fashion 19 points behind Rangers and Lennon is still on a job as well this is why I sometimes think am I giving them too much credit Lawrence to think that do they have a, a rabbit and a hat moment where they're going to because I think they're going to be forced into a corner like Natasha said before when they're looking at the renewals coming in very slowly and they're looking at a situation where are we going to even hit 30,000 season tickets for next season? They need to do something to reinvigorate the interest in the club. But let's be honest, Dermot Desmond in the past, no, he's trying to get Alex Ferguson. He delivered, in, he delivered Rogers. He's definitely got in him to pull something out. Interestingly, we pulled out the Atlantic League. Uh, I would think there's got to be something to run in the background if I pulled out of that. Uh, so I don't know if it's going to be what football's going to do looking like post-COVID and any clubs across Europe are going to survive. I think it could yeah, be back to 34,000 season ticket holders if they, if they don't. Oh, definitely. Now, Mr Briggs makes the point uh, we would have had no chance of getting him. That was pure fantasy stuff. But there are other managers' names who pop up Pretty regularly, Rafa Benitez being another one from Hugh Jameson would be great, but probably out of our price range. There's a lot of managers out there, uh, Natasha, whereby they're already multi-millionaires and they're out of jobs, they're out of work. And yes, we know that Rafa's making a lot of money elsewhere at this moment in time. But 
it's all about the world's aligning and that's what happened when Brennan Rogers was available um, he had to get his foot back on the ladder because he obviously wanted to get back into the English League and I think it's about it's probably key at this stage to, to remember that and there may come an opportunity that at the moment isn't there whereby we do have that, that elite manager um, or that box office name that we can bring in to do the job because a lot of these names yeah it seems fantasy would Brendan Rodgers have seemed fantasy two months before he was appointed I think perhaps I remember speaking about the possibility of that and people laughing at me I think he was 50 to 1 initially when the odds started coming out with Brendan Rodgers you know being appointed um, it all depends on the circumstances and there's so many names out there now I'm going to ask you Natasha Kevin Graham is now resigned to the fact that we're going to appoint Jack Ross. Is that the level of manager that you believe can take Celtic forward? No, I see where he's coming from and I see that it's looking like quite a likely outcome. Um, But it depends where we want to be as a football club. If we want to be challenging domestically um, and always fighting for, you know, first or second and accept that that's the way it's going to be and that European football of any form is a bonus then maybe a manager like Jack Ross would do the job but for me that's not where I want the club to be and I want to see the club striving to be better than that and I don't think it's out of reach because I feel like a manager like Jack Ross is settling a bit and I don't want the club to settle and in fact it would be criminal to settle from the position of strength that we were in to not build on that but to go backwards and settle for this will do is frustrating I think we can do better yeah, I mean, it's no disrespect to Jack Ross. I've watched his career with interest and I, I do rate him. I regard him really highly. But I think there's a level. There's a level that managers can, can get to. And I don't think Jack Ross has got the cutting edge to be this Celtic manager where every game is a must win. He's never been in a job where every game's a must win. I also think that the Sunderland job probably uh, came too early so it probably would have followed the Hibs job um, if, if there was a perfect alignment of his managerial career and down there and I keep saying this he had 19-1-1 draws which goes back to this cutting edge that I don't think he's got as a manager and I do like him and I think he's he's going to be a very competent manager in Scottish football and he might get another move down to, to England Lawrence if the moment comes where Neil Lennon is relieved of his duties and I know that you would rather he stayed because you're a big fan what kind of level are we looking at because I mentioned David Moyes probably on a few occasions Moyes was gettable I know that he's been interviewed for the job I remember speaking to him once when he was up in Scotland and he said that um, he does see himself managing in Scotland at some stage and I don't know if that is the national team or Celtic he certainly wouldn't go to any other club in Scotland I wouldn't have thought I think we need to kind of remodel what we do with managers and base it on in, in Brendan. So if we say, say to players, listen, come here, there's a chance for you to develop to go one of the, the top sides in Europe. Look, what was it, nine million quid compensation we got for Brendan? Yes. If we were to bring in a, you know, almost paid for himself, it's, if we were to bring in a manager of that status with the idea of selling them off, you know, someone buying out his contract against it. I think that would you know, make the proposition that the business case for bringing in a higher level manager a lot easier. If Gordon Strachan's touched on it, you know, there's maybe three years at a club. Mm. He, he thinks is, is the limit. A lot of managers you know, tend to move on. It's the, it's unusual for a manager to stay anywhere long term. 
So I think mm-hmm. we should be looking at top level, but with the idea of when we look if you come here, you you're putting a shop yourself in the shop under the UK, you could be getting one of the top six down south. So you an earlier event he's not doing anything. You know. I, why wouldn't you talk to him? You know if you if you're going to recruit, why wouldn't you speak to the best of the market and see what they want, see what their aspirations are, see how you can ma- match it. The big thing for me people out. Yeah, but we've got previous for that, Natasha, don't we? Because Peter Lowell admitted that there was applications the last time round, yet Lenny was a man. We didn't even look at them. That's just negligent, isn't it? We've been over that. We've been over how we feel about that. Um, Negligent, and look where it got us. Um, So I think we do perhaps need to cast the net a bit wider and Mm -hmm. maybe look at the people who are available and who are interested um, rather than just deciding on someone and going with it. So maybe that's what they're going to take the next few months to do if Lennon's staying in the job. Maybe they're going to wait on the right person. Maybe they're going to look at more people this time round, which would be a good thing. Um, or maybe we've identified the person and they're not available until June. Who knows? Mm, mm. Um, that could come into play as well. No, I, I think it's, it does certainly look like that, but it also looks as though the club would have been maybe quite right in their thinking to say, well, we've given you enough, uh, Lenny, to win this league this season. Um, you know, So get on with that because we've got something mm-hmm. lined up for the summer. And and to be honest, it's just turned into a complete disaster because uh, for, for any number of reasons that we've discussed time and time again, Smitty Boy, uh, Jack Ross has a good future in the game, but it would be another Mowbray-type risk. I agree with that, actually. And I, I do think Jack Ross is a very, very good uh, manager in actual fact. And Jack Carlo... Um, on YouTube says, will Michael O'Neill be available in the summer? I think O'Neill's um, had a good uh, a good run at it as a manager just about wherever he's been. And the other name that keeps coming up is Eddie Howe. Um, again, it's one of these ones, if you ask the question, then it, he's out of work. You look at the previous that we've had, the last two managers have been out of work. If that's what we were looking, we could employ him right now. Um, who knows what the, the future holds in terms of the, the manager, but we will continue to comment on on it blow by blow because there's been plenty of blows in the last few weeks uh, we come up against Motherwell on Monday Natasha and Lawrence hopefully you'll be back with us on the Tuesday to describe hopefully a victory over Hibs and we'll see where Celtic are at that moment in time thanks everybody for getting involved if you are on YouTube please subscribe to the channel we are growing and broadcasting on a daily basis but all that's left for me to say is Lawrence Conley Natasha Mikko thank you very much for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. 
All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.